1: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash acast.
2: All right, welcome back, folks, to a Friday, July 14th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Go Big Orange Friday. It is Friday, so you know what that means. Tennessee volunteers on this very show. Yeah tennessee balls on a friday um all kinds of good stuff with ryan chumpert and ethan stone as they are here each and every week for the new listeners yeah if you're a new tennessee ball listener and you want to keep up with the balls each and every week fridays is the day to do it so make sure you're locked in subscribed uh to this very feed uh so that you get all the great tennessee content that you're looking for each and every week Uh, we talk about whether or not Ole Miss uh, is going has a path to being better than Tennessee in football this year Uh, Braylon Russell's uh, recruiting announcement that should come later this evening Uh, the importance of getting Satterwhite in the boat for this 2024 uh, recruiting class on on the interior at the guard spot Uh, we talk about Chris Ledlam re-entering the portal Harvard transfer big um, what that means for Tennessee's rotation and lineup going forward Uh, the Vols getting a bunch of Guys drafted in baseball, Tony Vitello putting on a clinic, putting guys into the league, and then uh, Chase Burns, what it means for him at Wake Forest, and what Tennessee's rotation is going to look like next year in college baseball. So all that and more coming up on today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Don't forget, folks, if you are already subscribed and a fan of this very show, please, please, please make sure that you tell a friend, family member, co-worker, whoever, about the Chase Thomas Podcast, why you like it, and why they should listen to it, too. And this is an easy one. This is quick. Hit that pause button right now and leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you are listening to this podcast. We would greatly appreciate it over here at ChaseThomasPodcast, uh, com. Yeah, com. New website. It's brand new. Looks awesome. All the information, cool insight, everything uh, you could possibly want to know about what we've got cooking here. Uh, at uh, ctpn go check it out today chase thomas podcast.com you can also find us on youtube full episodes shorts clips all that good stuff youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast then if you're a new subscriber or a new listener rather uh, first welcome to the show this is the daily national show um, and we cover it all each and every day on this very show so make sure you're locked in uh, and subscribe on your preferred podcast player so that you never miss an episode uh, if you have a tennessee Vols question for us next week you can be a part of the show tweet at us at pod chase thomas or email us at chase thomas podcast at com. all right uncle darren on a friday let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast <laughs> um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i
1: already hate it i hate it
2: all right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Go Big Orange Friday, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. Also here, uh, he did the tally for that uh, Tennessee post on the 28 players drafted uh, over the last couple of years for Tennessee baseball. He's run the numbers, and uh, Ryan Shumpert, uh congratulations on a job well done on you and only you doing the math on how many Tennessee players have gotten drafted because you are having to scramble and uh, learn all about some of these, uh, these Tennessee arms that uh, keep getting drafted. So shout out to them. Ryan, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, I appreciate the kind words. If I'm known for anything, it is my math skills. Uh, yes. Great mathematician, as we all know. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was some hard work, but mm. you know, nothing, nothing too crazy.
2: Big Calc 2 guy. That's right. Did you take uh, math in high school or in college? I would hope so in high school, but <laughs> did you take it in college?
0: Yes, I took a calculus class first semester, uh, and then a statistics class second semester. And wiped my hands of it. Was done with math. Haven't taken a math class
2: since. There you go. Also here, out there in Greenville, rep in the Rockies. He's a big Jordan Beck guy. Big, uh, well this Natural. we'll talk about this Ch- poor chase dolander like i hope he gets traded before but um just honestly the worst situation for chase Dollander. like it Who really else? bummed me out there's another
3: tennessee pitcher that went to colorado um
2: seth Halverson. Halverson. <laughs> yeah i'm not as worried about him like he's just like seth i we'll save it but dolly going to uh to colorado bummed me out i'm not gonna <laughs> lie it really bummed me out um ethan stone how are you I'm doing great. I've, I've
3: had a long day, but I've gotten a lot done today. Productive day, ready to mm. talk some balls.
2: Were you off again today? I was. Yeah. So you're off on Thursdays. Well, yeah. last week you really berated us with how uh, locked into marriage uh, yeah. you <laughs> really are. Like you <laughs> yeah. made me feel a little insecure about my level of married oh, guy no. because of what you were bringing <laughs> to the table last week. What What do you have for us this week?
3: Oh my gosh! I didn't. We didn't really do much. This. I mean, Erin works on Thursdays and then she gets Mm. off, and we do. I don't know what. Tonight was we just ordered a pizza and chilled in. But okay, what kind of pizza pizza, did you get? Pizza Hut, but that's not my go-to. My go-to is usually Papa John's. Yeah, I don't Mm. like Pizza Hut. It was close. (laughs) Pizza Hut was close. Papa John's far, and we were tired, so we went to the pizza.
2: (laughs) Well, this is good. Hold on, that's good, Uh, Ryan. Quickly, your, your, your. Chain pizza spots in order from best to worst:
3: Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza Hut. That's okay. the perfect. That's the perfect answer. He got that exactly right. That's that's. Yeah.
2: It depends on my mood. Like it's either Papa John's or Domino's for me too. But my mood because I get the New York thin crust if I'm doing Domino's. You do that. Yeah, thin, the crust. thin crust is good there.
3: Here yes. Go. Yeah. Papa John's can do it. also but... has the best cheese the cheese bread Domino's is the best of the three I would argue it's good stuff
2: that's not uh, not uh, not incorrect I would also (laughs) say if I want to dip the garlic though if I want to go well done do you know who does it well done Papa John's because I like Mm -hmm. pizza well done and they do a good job and I can dip it in the garlic sauce and I'm just like that's also but that's heavier so it just depends on my mood. What kind of mood am I in? But uh, you can't really go wrong. Pizza Hut, you can go wrong. And Ethan yeah. Stem will find that out in a I several agree. hours. No,
3: you can It's not my favorite. Uh, I was, I mean, I just needed some pizza. It's three minutes away. I didn't want to pay the delivery fee, so. Oh,
2: you even drove? That's the daddest I thing. drove and got goods. You drove to save off the delivery fee?
3: Oh yeah. We we I oh my we, God. One of the, we, we look up the promo codes, we drive all <laughs> we do all that stuff, man.
0: I did a promo, I'm a big there was a promo code for a long time that could get you thirty five percent off uh, any carry out order at Papa John's in Knoxville. Worked for uh, like eighteen months at least and yeah, I was always going to carry out. I mean thirty five percent off for the carry out. Got to.
2: Look at this guy, great. Ryan. Look my, at him over album. here. He's been looking up. You're giving me all kinds of anxiety for the good my folks on YouTube.com. So Ethan you Stone's guys, trying to create a whole hazard and die on screen here because the man is, uh, he, he's committed to the bit of putting some <laughs> albums uh, right above his head um, for a podcast. I mean, that's, hey, not all heroes wear capes, Ryan.
0: Well, that's exactly right. Ethan's Ooh. proven it tonight.
2: Well, here you go. I'll read it on Ethan real quick. You're right. you're wearing a we Seinfeld are. t-shirt for the good folks on uh, YouTube.com. One hey. through four, rank the Seinfeld oh, characters. That's...
0: Three and four is easy. Jerry Elaine.
2: Wait, do you have Jerry above Elaine?
0: I do have Jerry above Elaine.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
0: I gotta go with my guy Cosmo. Cosmo Kramer one, and then George two. But man, I mean, you I mean, you really can't go wrong with any of them. But I mean George and Kramer, it's it's neck and neck at the top for
3: those two. I Ethan, what about you? Are you Seinfeld? a Seinfeld guy? I haven't I haven't watched that much Seinfeld, but I like I like George. I mean, it's just it, it, the the <laughs> my family has this thing around Christmas. Oh. Uh, every, every year every single year we do we watch the festivus episode and that's Fantastic. that's perfect. like that, that's all you need i feel like
0: <laughs> so. as i was raining blows upon his head i thought there has to be a better way
2: <laughs> yeah. um incredible. that's incredible yeah, um why am i blanking on her name uh hold on let me see why am i blanking on this i need to oh never mind curb i'll do mine real quick though real quick because i know ethan didn't do curb if you didn't do seinfeld you're definitely not getting in the weeds on curb your enthusiasm but Mm. kurt like for seinfeld for me it's still probably i think i'd go he just has more hits you got to go cosmo people remember the biggest george moments but like (laughs) consistency kramer is actually the the most integral Pay, uh character on the show i think he's actually one george two elaine three because elaine has more bangers jerry's the he jerry he's just he's the guy Is his name's calculator. on the sign but he's there to just move around he's the yeah. he's the andre miller of seinfeld he knows his role he's not gonna get a lot of shots <laughs> okay. up he's there to facilitate for the three actually funny ones and it's ironic because i mean he is the comedian in the show but uh by far the least funny and least important character curb though like none of the four come close to my two favorite curb characters that i could just like thinking about them makes me laugh but nobody will ever be better than the funk house or rest in peace because every line from the funk man <laughs> and every interaction with the funk man was just top-notch like i have had tears in my eye like the the joke that Funkhauser actually gives Jerry Seinfeld, until, yeah. like I still just I I'll start cracking myself up just thinking about it. And then Susie, Susie is just unbelievable. Susie is top notch. Anything Susie is just ten out of ten. Would watch anything the, with Susie.
0: I mean, there's there's so many hits with both of them, but the two mm-hmm. have come to mind with with Funkhauser, the him <laughs> battling as Larry tries to take his yarmulke off outside yes. the Palestinian chicken place. <laughs> We can be proud Jews in the parking lot. Let's not be proud Jews in there. And then the Susie episode with uh, uh, what Susie and Jeff's daughter. I don't know. I'm blanking on her name, but her doll. When, when they yeah. steal the doll doll head and they, and they pull back into Larry's house and Susie's just waiting for him. I mean, <laughs> one, of the, one of the greatest rants in What did you do? Writer.
2: You see.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good. Ethan we'll just send you videos about YouTube yeah, yeah. both of those when we get
2: done because they're just they're, they're fantastic. And, I'm, I'm behind them. Gotta... So great makes it like um when um Mrs. Black uh marries uh Larry and just cusses yeah. Susie out at the front door is one of my very end aunt- of one of the seasons, yeah. Yes. Maybe season seven or eight. Oh my God! Incredible! Who the fuck do you think you talk? <laughs> and my man. Yeah, and Susie's face is just great. But that only works because you've known Susie for so long. It only works because of how great Susie is. And uh, it's just—I I love that show. great Enthusiasm. It's a great show. Also, Seinfeld. It. Another great show. Just depends what kind of mood you're in. But both are great. Ethan, highly recommend. You need to go check out some some Kurt. I gotta get on Kurt.
3: I, I've watched—I've watched enough Seinfeld, but I haven't watched enough. Of- Curb your enthusiasm. I, I gotta get on that.
2: A lot more time uh commitment for Curb. I will mm-hmm. say that. But I'm glad it's uh coming back. Larry should just keep doing it until uh he's really just not not having fun. Because even like the non-banger episodes are a good time. It's a good way to spend 30 minutes. Well, the okay.
0: good thing about curb when you're watching that is that you really you can go a season at a time. Like you can mm-hmm. watch a season of curb, completely stop, go watch something else, come back, watch a different season. Yeah. They tie in the plot really well season. Just one season at a time and, you know, nothing really, for the most part, nothing really matters that carries over season to season.
2: For sure. Um, which naturally leads us to the Tennessee Vols. Many <laughs> many are saying this is the natural transition. <laughs> what um, a segue. <laughs> it's just a natural segue. That's, I'm, a, I'm a professional, guys. Um, Vols football. First question. Uh, we'll throw it to Ryan here. Buy or sell? I was thinking about this today. Old Miss will be better than ut this year why or why not because on there's a lot of people kind of pushing back uh, against where Ole miss they kind of have a, they felt like they had a worse year than they did last year and they still went eight and five and you like i think if you just asked me off have to talk about, i would say seven wins seven and five in the regular season it felt more like um but pete golding coming in as dc um still a lot of transfers best running back in the in the conference jackson dart people still forget was a highly talented uh uh highly talented player uh, coming from the West Coast, year two in the system, he didn't start the year. QB one, like there are some ways to sell, Old Miss being better, uh, in year two, and if it, they're better, it's like maybe nine and three. To, I I don't know. Like I, I was I just been going back and forth on this. What What do you think about Old Miss in terms of Tennessee this year?
0: I would side with Tennessee being better, but I mean, it does feel. Ole Miss to me is one of the more fascinating teams in the league. And I would decide with Tennessee because I still think the talent level is better at Tennessee. Uh, and, you know, probably some recency bias here of just seeing what Tennessee was last year compared to how Ole Miss cratered in the year. But to me, Ole Miss is going to be one of the more fascinating teams in the league because of what we were just talking about. The fact that they were good for the first two thirds of the season. I mean, till about halftime at that LSU game, which I, I want to say was the last, Last week of October, maybe second. I guess second to last week of October. I think Tennessee played UT Martin that day. Uh, So second to last week of October. And and then from there, I just feel like they cratered. And certainly the schedule was back heavy. um, But there is some good pieces there. And to me, it's the quarterback spot. It's two things to me that makes it really interesting. It's the the short term is quarterback spot. You talk about Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart did not. Lane Kiffin does not seem like someone who wants Jackson Dart to be a starting quarterback this year maybe I'm wrong about that I'm not inside the Ole Miss program that's some speculation from afar it never seemed like he was overly happy with him last year he brings two transfers in this offseason to compete with him yeah I'm a, I was always a Spencer Sanders guy in the portal I think he's a solid player so uh, I think there's just a lot of intrigue there and but if they get that spot right Jackson Dart was not very good last year if they get that spot right the pair with the run game that was really good all of a sudden you got an Ole Miss offense it's really really dangerous in, in a team with a Pretty favorable schedule that you know easily can go nine and three. I think a long term, what's fascinating there is if things don't go that way, you have a situation where Lane Kiffin spent a lot of last year ostracizing the Ole Miss fan base for not showing up, flirting heavily with the Auburn job, you know, seemingly wanted the Auburn job, and you know, I think he was offered it, and maybe some family ties kept him in Oxford. But he did all of that, got a massive, massive raise and finished last season horrifically. So all of a sudden, you go into this year with a coach who, obviously, I think Ole Miss, every Ole Miss fan's happy with playing Kiffin, but you don't have a great taste in your mouth from how last season ended. And then you combine that with the fact that he flirted to go to one of your rivals. He just got a lot more money. And all of a sudden, if Ole Miss doesn't play very well on the field this year, I think that could make for kind of an interesting dynamic uh, here. Again, probably nothing plays out there in the short term, uh, but to me will be something interesting to watch long-term-wise.
2: Do you agree? Yeah.
3: yeah, I think I think Ryan was pretty spot on with it. My, it's it's kind of similar in Tennessee and in, in a way. Uh, the question number seven with Joe Milton, and then the question about Jackson Dart. I was going to bring that up exactly what Ryan said. If Jackson Dart slash Spencer Sanders, I'm well. Weirdly enough, Ryan said literally everything I was going to say because I also like Spencer Sanders a lot. I think he is being very undervalued out of the transfer portal up, out of Oklahoma State. I think if Kiffin can figure out the quarterback situation and there's also a second part to that where there's a lot of transfers obviously I mean Lane Kiffin has kind of deemed himself the portal king I feel like and like their two top wide receivers are going to be probably transfers there's that UTA guy uh, was that Franklin and then um, blanking on the other guy, but they, they, their top receivers are probably going to be transfers. Now, of course, Judkins is going to be the guy there the, offensively for for that, but so you, you talk about the offense and you say are they going to take enough I guess of a leap to rival Tennessee because I would agree that Tennessee is going to be better than Ole Miss this year. I'd say Ole Miss is probably going to be 5-6 in the SEC right next to Texas A&M, but I mean, another question you got to think about is is what is Pete Golding's squad going to do on defense? You know, are, are they... Tr- because the, they, they lose, I, I think it was three or four games to end the season last year, you know, Arkansas being one of them, where they, I think, gave it like 42 points or something like that. And it's like, if you're giving up 42 points to Arkansas, you got to fix something. Now, I believe the defense has like six, seven starters returning. And, you know, that's good. And you add Pete Golding, that's good. But you still kind of have the question there. I mean, if you're really going to be a top four, top three team in the SEC and be going against Tennessee, who's going to have a lot of, you know, not a fantastic defense, but a lot of returning starters on defense, then you kind of have to start getting some consistency there. I feel like for you to be, you know, that high up. And then, I mean, you're just going to keep going back to this quarterback question as much as you can halfway through the season. Is Jackson darts still going to be the signal caller on, you know, when the game rolls up, is he going to be the starting guy or is Spencer Sanders eventually going to take over? Because, you know, there's the old saying that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have one, you can agree with that if you want to, but you know, Ole Miss is is definitely looking for someone to lead their offense right now. And I think, you know, if you just hand the ball off to Judkins and hope the offensive line, and he can go for another 1500 yard season, 1500 plus yard season, then the, the one dimensional offense, I just don't do not think is going to work in the SEC especially if it didn't really last year. I mean, you had better receivers last year. You had, you know, granted Jackson Dart coming in in the first season. Maybe he'll have a little time under his belt to get something going there. But I'm they, they have too many question marks is, I guess, a long-winded way to say that to me. Whereas Tennessee still has their question marks. Obviously, Joe Milton up at the top, is he going to be the guy that can kind of take the shoes for Endon um, you know, Are people going to be able to fill in for Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt? All that. But I just think Mississippi Ole Miss has more of those questions. And, you know, that's, that's just hard. It's, it's harder to come in with new defensive quarter, a lot of changes on offense, and I, I, I don't know. I think, I think it'll be Tennessee uh, probably around the four, and then, like I said, Ole Miss around the six or the seven spot in the SEC.
2: That's interesting. Uh, that's a rough situation if that's what ends up being old, uh, Ole Miss, because I'm pretty down on Mississippi State coming into this year. I think they're going to end up being a disaster in a three and nine, two and ten type team uh this year and Arkansas is in this boat um Ole Miss is right there Auburn I think will be right there what what they look like there's, in year one for you there's Fraser. a lot of them
3: right? I mean Auburn right. Kentucky South Carolina all of those I feel like could be contending with Ole Miss in that kind of middle region of the SEC
2: for sure um Braylon Russell is he a huge get in this cycle he's going to announce on Friday night uh, so good folks are hearing this on Friday morning um, ahead of his announcement here it's gone back and forth Uh, Wilt Fong had a crystal ball this week that sent uh, Vol Twitter into an uproar um, when he crystal balled uh, the Arkansas native Braylon Russell to uh, Arkansas it's been down to Arkansas and Tennessee for a while now Peyton Lewis has talked about he's been in the boat for a little bit for starting back out of Salem, Virginia, um, pairing up with uh, Braylon to create their own little thunder and lightning type deal in this class. I just, I don't freak out as much as I feel like the Volquist thread were just crazy uh, when this happened. I'm like, I like Braylon, it'd be nice to have him, I like the thunder and lightning idea, but... Tennessee's already pretty deep at running back in this group, and I understand transfer's a part of it, and we'll see if this whole group's back next year outside of um uh Jabari Small. Jabari. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I what what do you think, Ryan? Does it does it really move the needle either way, um, if Jerry Mack is able to close the deal here, or do you think there are bigger fish to fry?
0: I mean there are a lot bigger fish to fry. I mean again, it's it's one that I think almost a freakout comes from more the fact that Tennessee's been viewed as the leader. Maybe not a massive leader, but the leader for a couple months now in that recruitment. And I'd imagine that's where the freakout comes from. But again, running backs are, to a degree, are kind of like interior offensive alignment. We talked about it last week. A little bit of a dime a dozen. I mean, Tennessee right now has, I don't know, I would think a top five running back room in the SEC. Maybe that's a little overdramatic. Three three-stars. Jabari Small is only on campus because Tennessee wanted to get Omari Thomas, who was one of his good friends and played at his high school. So, uh, And he's been a good player. So, to me, it's just you can find a lot of good guys at that spot uh, and plug them and play them, and they'll look good in really any offense, but Tennessee's offense in particular. And then the second factor is fact that Tennessee already has Peyton Lewis. I mean, that's, uh, to me, a better – Fit in Tennessee's offense, uh, to me, he projects as a better player long term. And the fact that you have him combined with what's already a pretty young running back core on Tennessee's campus, it, to me, it would be kind of foolish to, to panic if, if Tennessee didn't land Braylon Russell or, you know, same, same time throw a parade that Tennessee does land him
2: yeah i don't know when you look at it ethan are you pretty pretty set on where things are at and if it is just peyton lewis are you just like eh, they'll find another three star whoever and they'll just they'll make do
3: yeah if you had asked me that i was going to emphasize Brian's point that i mean it's it's totally plug and play uh, mm. especially especially at for an offense like tennessee's where it's so based on tempo Um i mean he's uh, Braylon Russell's what 30, 35 pounds heavier than, than Peyton Lewis. I mean, it's, 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 I feel like Lewis just naturally will, would be a better fit to this offense anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you you lose out on Russell. You just move on to the next guy because you have a thousand running backs in this room. And as, as I've said, as Ryan has said, as, as you've said, uh, it's, it's just, you put whoever <laughs> can go in there in there. And I think Peyton Lewis is going to do a good job of that.
2: Yeah. I think it's just, Plug and play. This is a pretty deep room right now, and I just I don't think they're gonna have problems running the football regardless of whether or not they get Braylon. I hope they get Braylon Russell because I like that idea of those two, and it's just more talent. You can never go wrong. More talent. I just was, it's not the end of the world for me.
3: Was Russell committed to Arkansas? I think I saw yes. something on that. Yeah, he, he was committed to Arkansas like last year, and then he decommitted. I would That's find why that it would be little... so
2: unprecedented, right? Where you yeah, don't see I would many guys who decommit strange. and then stay with that and then recommit. Yeah. Yeah, your are That's weird. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, how big though? And sorry for the pun here with an offensive lineman question, Ethan. But how big of a commitment we talked about last week with Ronan O'Connell not uh, picking the balls, and now Ronan and whether they want like it or not, Ronan O'Connell and uh, Mr. Satterwhite are going to be looked at side by side for the next three years. Like these two are not going to be able to escape each <laughs> other, and they didn't do anything to. But like, it's just unfortunate that this is going to be a talking point and something that keeps with them for the next several years of their college careers is who made the right call the pressure of like to Clemson see did who did the right eval here mm-hmm. and who who won this one and I was listening to Ryan Callahan on Go Balls 247 last week talking about it and it was pretty interesting either when you think about like William Satterwhite has more upside he's like the higher ceiling guard but Ronan O'Connell is more of the plug and play ready to go right now guard and you're like Okay, so it's more of a development, but like I look at it more of, hey, just get the talent in there, and I would rather have the big swing talent over the ready to to work guy for the offensive lineman because we've seen Glenn Ellerby develop those four and five stars really well and just give give him talent. I'm not really worried about like he's not ready to go in year one and ready to play as a freshman. Like that's the best thing about Glenn Ellerby being your offensive line coach, is that he will develop him. If given time, and give me the high high upside guy with him every single day because he'll get the most out of a three star any day. I'm not really worried about that.
3: Yeah, and and not to mention too, I think I, I've read a couple things on Satterwhite. Obvi- I'm I'm not an expert on on offensive line by any means. I, I'm far from my body type, far from my area of expertise here. But uh, the, so all of our body types, the yeah. Thing, like, the, the all thing, this the, yeah, exactly. The thing I've I've noticed when I've been reading about this guy about Satterwhite in particular is he seems to fit. I think I mentioned this a little bit last week, actually. So he just seems to fit Tennessee's style more. Like, he's very good right off the bat, get the first initial push, and then after that, that's kind of where his weakness weaknesses, I guess, I just did air quotes, weaknesses would arise after that, compared to, I'm not going to act like I have a full scout on O'Connell, but I think his thing is more kind of physicality, where Saturday White's his technique, you know, starting off, get the initial push, and, you know, we move on from there, which... Tennessee's offense after the first couple seconds, the ball's out anyway. Mm. Um, I think that's the thing that Tennessee has kind of liked with Satterwhite. White. And I mean, that's it, it's always just good to get another offensive lineman in there, and I'll just keep it at that.
2: I agree. Um Ryan, vols basketball. Chris Ledlam enters the portal. We talked about this in the group chat. I was just talking to a friend of the pod, friend of y'all's Will Warren of statsbywill.substack.com about this earlier today. And I wonder if you share our perspective here. I just looked at it as this is a win of cleaning up and I don't mean cleaning up in a negative sense. I mean, organizing this roster more in a way that like there were already gonna be a lot of mouths to feed in this group. Um, Chris Ledlam, I think was probably the most difficult to fit in this group based on who returned. Um, I think with his style of play and the transition from the Ivy League to SEC play, and what he'd be asked to do I I just look at this look it it sucks for him and that was something that will pointed out is like he made this big move and he had other options and now some of those other options are filled up and he's having to kind of scramble here late he didn't expect it that this would happen that uh just said your names would be back but I don't think this is on Tennessee either because it's the calendar this isn't a Tennessee problem this is a basketball calendar problem to me where what was Tennessee supposed to do like they can say like we needed we had to act like we had to go attack the portal because we didn't know about Santi we didn't know about just Jordan James like that was just it we didn't know about Julian Phillips because what the the calendar of when they had to make a decision and they told they weren't sure Tennessee can't just wait to go after transfers when they have three important guys sitting out there and testing the waters and aren't guaranteed NBA draft guys so I think it was just a confluence of events that made this all really unfortunate but now you look at this roster and you're like, okay, Josiah is just the starting four now. We don't have to wonder about how this is going to go. And it takes away an option for Rick Barnes to go super big way too much as we just saw Euros uh, nail, draining threes for my Atlanta Hawks. It's just don't give him too many bigs. Let's limit the amount of bigs that Rick Barnes is able to play any given uh, any given day here this winter. I mean, what do you think about the the whole of them situation? Do you think that's a fair characterization that I'm putting out there?
0: Generally, yes, I do. I think it's, I'm a little more tentative. You know, one, you know, you said pencil and Joe George James is starting four. I'm not ready to pencil, think to pencil anything in. It doesn't. I, I said wow. this a week ago. I'm not, I will not be surprised. Even the slightest, if Jonas I do is the starting five and Tobey Walk is the starting four when Tennessee opens their season out and who they oh, open their season man. with. But do, do you know who... Do you know who, Rick Barnes? I mean... It, but, it,
2: like, Josiah, at this point, coming back and everything else, like, I, you can't do that. Uh, Rick Barnes and I will have a man. pregame conversation. I will be, be on the court. No, can't do it. I've got to... Pers- uh, like, do you think he'd actually do it? He would sit Josiah Jordan James, and he would start out Tobey and Jonas I think He
0: would. I'm not saying that's what will happen, but that would not surprise me in the slightest. I mean, Tennessee was was ready to move, you know, and again, some of it's, it's hard to make, you're not waiting around, but Tennessee was, you know, Josiah Jordan-James was kind of an afterthought as Tennessee was putting together their roster, and obviously it worked out for him to come back, and, and I think that led to it making a lot of sense for Ledlam to transfer. All that stuff adds up, uh, but, I, you know, I won that end. I wouldn't say that that's just a lock. Two, the one area where I can see it bites Ludlum, or it bites Tennessee losing Ludlum, and this is where you're saying it's a strength, and it, mm. I don't necessarily think that's not – what you're saying is inaccurate but behind tobe waka and jonas to you don't really have much you don't have much depth you have jp estrella so you're either going to do one of these two things you're going to have to lean into playing a lot more small ball yes because your point is yep. what you want all that stuff i don't disagree with really one small ball four on this team that's josiah jordan james Jemai Meshach could probably play that a little bit, but that's gonna be a little bit of a defensive weakness if you're second biggest guy on the court, six foot five. And at the same time, it, he's also probably the backup point guard, so that's you know, a, a wide range. Your side Jordan James missed like 15 games last year. Yeah. He's missed he's been constantly injured his entire career. So let's say Josiah Jordan James has a month stretch where he's out next year, all of a sudden you're stretched really, really thin uh, at the four spot. And Tobey Walker, do. We have to play a ton of minutes. JP Estrella would have to step up and play a lot of minutes. Maybe you would hope Dalton Connect uh, with his size could maybe play a little bit of four, but I think that he would be a major weakness playing the four defensively on that side. So to me, Ledlam was a safety blanket uh, in that scenario. He was a really good safety blanket for a depth standpoint, but just having someone a little bit more of a traditional four uh, who's kind of a wing I think would have been a benefit. But if you stay healthy, if everything clicks, if you can hold up defensively playing small, and JP Estrella, even if he's not a 15-minute-a-game guy, if he's just a guy you can trust to go play 10 minutes in SEC play, I think you're right. All this stuff could – the roster works out well, not having the deal, trying to feed a little of minutes too. It becomes much less of a cluster. Uh, but on the negative side of it, or at least the floor, is a little bit lower just from the injury standpoint if Estrella isn't able to contribute a ton next year. Uh, it was like I said, safety blankets, kind of the word that I use. I think Ledlam was was really good for that fourth spot.
2: That's interesting because, like I, Ethan, I just have way more concern about how Barnes is going to manage the guards and wings minutes because I don't know who's closing with that group and who's even going to start on opening night if Sakai is not ready to go. Um, what do you think about Ledlam, and do you think it's more complicated, um, like to Ryan's point, or do you think it's actually more complicated with who? Barnes picks among Mayshack, um, Dalton, Connect, Sakai, Santi, um, and Company. And, I think. Say uh, it again.
0: Freddie Dillion.
2: Freddie Dillion, yeah, uh, Leon, yeah. But, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's <laughs> a I lot.
3: think it. I think it might be more complicated to to figure out more of a backcourt rotation, but the problem is 100% where Ryan said it was. I that that's what I thought was the major problem with not a major problem. I don't think it's a huge deal really in the first place. I mean, Tennessee had 14 scholarship players essentially. So you you can't really go wrong when you have 14 guys that can play basketball. Now, this this is going to force as Ryan said. It's going to force Josiah probably a lot at the 4 instead of the 3 where he honestly played more than he played more at the 3 than he did at the 4 I want to think last season. He does better yeah, definitely. Yeah, he does better at the 3 at the very least that's what I think. Um I think it is I would agree with Ryan that Tobey's probably gonna to be the four. I'd I think it's gonna be probably Josiah, then Tobey, and then Jonas Adu. Um
2: wait you have Josiah starting at the three? I yeah. I, I, don't, oh. I don't see why, either him or Jamai. I was gonna say, I don't think Jamai can get be out, I mean, now. I mean, He's too good of think a defender. About, think about who we're talking about.
3: It's it's Rick Barnes. It's it's exactly what Ryan said. Ryan's I I don't I don't I don't think Barnes is is going to go away from what has I mean, there's a strong chance we could we could, it, given Zakai is healthy, there's a strong chance it could be Zakai, Vescovy, Josiah, Tobey, and 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 Jonas Adu.
2: That's gonna piss some people off.
3: Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with that, but I, I could definitely see that happening. I could definitely see an avenue for that to happen.
2: I just, I don't see an avenue where Deleon does not have a major role. So, like, I just think they're I mean, gonna need his offense so much, and there he is going to need. They, they need he, one
0: of his adults' offense is the yes. thing I keep going. You need one of those guys to be able to step up and be 13, 12 points per game, can match Santi's offensive production. So you have two reliable guys night to night. And then you have your myriad five guys who will score anywhere between 16 and four points every night. And then Tyreek Keith special. A yeah, a little bit better Tyreek Keith. What Olivia, like from a scoring, not like a position standpoint, from a scoring standpoint, what Olivier has given Tennessee what Josiah mm-hmm. is given Tennessee uh, what, what's guys of, of that kind of realm given Tennessee I
3: would think the most fun lineup I, I would agree that it is probably a good thing from what you said Chase to be forced to play more small ball because I just think that's where I, I think Tobey Awaka at the five would be a lot of fun Toby at the five Josiah at the four Phil and Connect or Meshack at the three and then Santi and Zakai at the one and two obviously that would be the most fun. But do I think that's what's going to happen? Probably not. I, I I think Barnes is just going to stick to what he is comfortable with. And I think, honestly, it's it's going to be difficult. I wouldn't say especially now, but I think it's going to be difficult for any of the transfers to start immediately.
2: I would agree. I think the best five this year will end up being Zakai, Freddie, Santi, Josiah, Jonas, Adu—that five will be the best minutes-wise. If I do a plus-minus, my guess of like what's the most effective lineup and probably what should close in a lot of important close games, I would lean that way. Mayshak's like the—I think you start Mayshak to keep him engaged and everything else. But if the offense isn't there, I just don't think you can close important games with Mayshak and Adu or Tobey. Like I just don't think you can get away with that two non-shooters really um like in games if you can you can avoid it I just the offense needs some juice they need like Adelion I just I don't know how you're not going to be able to have Santi plus Adelion like two on ball creators two facilitators two guys who you feel comfortable um uh having the ball late late in the shot clock in these close games I just it's not Sakai like it's it's just not that's not his thing. He dribbles around. He'll fight it. He's looking for someone to dish to. Zakai does not want uh, to be the guy. Zakai is awesome for a lot of reasons, but that's not one of his bread and butter. I just this is all gonna be fun to watch play out, right? Like I just I don't have an answer fully, but I'm still fleshing this out with you guys.
3: Does is anything coming out about where Freddy is going to play? Because I've seen anywhere from one to three.
2: Is he big it's, enough? Three. He's like six three. I mean, yeah, he's, I was thinking too. Yeah, I mean, is, I, mean then, I, yeah.
3: I don't think he's he's not a three, but I've seen I've seen people saying one for three. Just hmm. I mean, everywhere.
2: I mean, if he can play the three, that's huge. Like if he can, do he's not that. he's not
3: big enough. I, I wouldn't yeah. think. I mean, two two thing.
0: Really have a bunch of thoughts. I mean, this is just the most fascinating Tennessee basketball team yeah, I've taken in a really is. long. The it's... Rick Barnes era. Uh, the one thing I'll go back to Chase what you just said when you're talking about like in the shot clock in the game guys like creating stuff. You would say Santi's better at doing creating shots than Zaki is? Yeah, I disagree with that. Yeah, I, I mean,
3: disagree. He's an incredible Santi, shooter. He's spot up. He's not. He's not fantastic off the dribble.
2: Yeah, Santi okay. will go. He will still get to the line. He's still looking to shoot when he's going inside. He's still looking if he gets like he's flailing around. Like Santi knows where the shot clock is. Santi knows he's trying to get to the line. He'll get banged around like Zakai when he it's late in the shot clock. He is dribbling around trying to find somebody. He does not want to. He'll like I feel like he's like prone to the, the deep three late in the shot clock if he hasn't found yeah. anything.
0: I can't remember if this may be speculative of me, because I can't remember if someone said this. I think Barnes said this out loud during the season. They wanted him to do that. Huh. They were like, You're going in, you're getting your shot blocked. Like you can't get yeah. any shots off contested at the basket. We'd rather you play in the analytics, I'm sure. Hmm. Like we'd rather you bomb the three. Uh, and so you're you're right. I don't think Zakai is perfect there, but to me, he's he's much better in, in the shot clock than Santi. Mm. It's just because Santi's ability to create create his own shot, and that's what you saw. Like in, again, we talked about it last week. That's what you saw in NCAA tournament, or just after Zakai went down. Tennessee's offense didn't take a huge drop. They ran everything through Santi. Just run off screens, run off screens. You'll get open. You'll make the team. Or more than anything. They put so much stress on opponents to double-team coming off screens that got open shots for other people. But the last five minutes of the game, when the game slowed down into a half-court game, you need someone to, to be able to go off the dribble and score. To me, that's where he was, or Tennessee's offense, like a huge drop, huge step off uh, or drop off because Santi just doesn't, isn't necessarily great with that skill set.
2: That's fair um last thing here uh tennessee baseball chase burns winds up at wake Uh, a lot of vols drafted but first ryan uh ryan galaney will not make it to tennessee from wofford jared dickey we had hoped was gonna end up back at tennessee scrub the instagram um best falls hitter last year um that would have been incredible to have him back for year three sucks it's so weird you're rooting for like Once they get past a certain round, you're like, okay, I kind of want you to keep dropping so that you can come back because, and that's just, it's the selfish dumb fan in me, but like, I just being really excited about that. Uh, But he's off to the Royals. Um, What do you make of the lineup now? And then we'll get into Burns with uh, Galani and Dickey now officially being, being out and also uh, Jaslov uh, entering the portal um, out of the shortstop spot, the local uh, Knoxville kid.
0: Yeah, I would start with I'll start with a shortstop question, and, and to me, Dustin, that was a really surprising that he entered the portal. Just because, granted, I think you know people are higher on Kendro, but when you look at, I mean, they both got decent opportunities this year. Obviously, none of them, were, neither of them, were starting shortstop, but decent opportunities when Mally was out early and then on and through the season, the production was similar there. Jaslin mm-hmm. was the one on the active roster in the postseason, not Kendro. And mm-hmm. while I think Kendro's ceilings higher, to me, that was surprising and you know Tennessee has been in preliminary talks with some shortstops in the portal but nothing ever has gotten super serious there I noticed some interest in the Luke Hill kid from Arizona State who entered the portal yesterday uh, or maybe it was this morning but again that's very early on we'll see what happens. He's, he's from Baton Rouge and so I have a hard time thinking that's not where it's going to be where he ends up and uh, again it just doesn't feel like that's a huge point of emphasis for Tennessee, which puts a lot of trust in Kendro. Uh, and then it also, they do bring in a, a ton of really, really good uh, middle infield or prep middle infielders. will be a freshman. Again, I have a hard time seeing those guys starting in shortstop as a freshman. And obviously Carson Rucker will likely sign. And he was probably the best of that bunch. Um, but to me, that's fascinating. That's kind of where things stand at shortstop. Uh, the pieces, well, I think on, be a on lot the easier. Rucker
2: thing, do you think his brother being a really great ball is going to weigh on him? Do you think his brother is going to push? For him to like, like your value's not going to go down. Like if you're Carson Rucker, it's not like you're not walking into one of the three best college baseball situations. And your brother is a VFL and you're obviously um, an instant intriguing guy who's going to get drafted um, later on. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's, I think that was kind of a thought, a hope from Tennessee standpoint that that would, Play a part, and we'll see. Obviously, he hasn't announced any intentions to sign, but you just don't see many guys, high school or not, get drafted that early and, yeah. and not sign, unless they're you know a lot of guys will come and say, "I'm going to go first round," or go first or second round. I'm not going to go, but guys who don't come out ahead of time and tell franchises that, which Rucker didn't do, uh, again, I, I don't know. It's, it's I don't have any true inside information on that, but I just have a hard time thinking he, he won't end up signing.
2: Is the Tigers though not a great track record right now? Like, just like, hey, hey, tough. Um, I, to
3: Detroit. It, I guess I'll be in the farm system, but still, so. <laughs> yeah.
2: Chase Burns winds up at Wake, though. Everyone wondered, like, from the get go, TCU, LSU, and then for the last week, we were like, oh, he's coming back because a lot of people were like, oh, it's he's still sitting out there. Uh, could he come back? And then no, Chase Burns winds up at Wake where he'll form a very good starting rotation once again at Wake Forest. Um, Ethan, what do you make of Burnsy winding up at Wake and is it better that he's out of the SEC um, and did not wind up at LSU or at TCU? Do you think it's the best case scenario for this situation?
3: I think it's it's nice that he's out of the SEC. I mean, you don't want you you wouldn't want Tennessee fans to be rooting against him unless he's playing someone from the SEC. I, I feel uh, on, like let me stop wake right forest, wake forest took me by like quite took me by surprise. Wake mm-hmm. forest. Did. I, I didn't, I, I, I made a joke with Ryan that I, I figured out that that happened like right before we started recording. I didn't even know chase Burge had gone to wake forest. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like the reason I didn't know that because I'm, I'm like fairly in the loop. I'm not really a college baseball person, but I'm fairly in the loop with it. Following it on Twitter is, is just because I, I figured TCU and LSU with especially LSU, uh, as of right now, I feel like that would have been, you know, uh, just uh, a good place for him. But like you said, uh, Wake Forest is going to have a strong starting rotation. I, I think who, who's that? Who's that? Talk guy? Rhett Louder. I think that just went kind of top ten out of
2: that. Rhett Louder out of Wake Forest.
3: Uh, I couldn't. I know. think he
2: went top ten. He went like top twenty, right? Did he go? In was the he?
3: I think he was top ten. I think I he went about, before Doe. Am I imagining I, that? I remember writing a story about him. And SDS, we only write stories for the top ten guys. So I want to think he was like six or seven. Anyway, not not a huge
0: deal.
3: Yeah, Uh, but you know, it's that that's what he wanted. Right? He went seven. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to act like I know. (laughs) I'm not going to act like I know everything about Chase Burns's uh, reasons for transferring to Wake Forest. But you know that he wants to start. You know that he wants the main. You know, the big show and Wake Forest. You can get that.
2: There you go. Ryan, what do you think now that Bernsey is uh, I don't know why he called him Burnsy because I think Vitella just calls him Bernsie, Tony calls him Bernsie, And yeah. I just it's stuck in my head. Like I just have heard so many interviews with him just like Bernsey. And just the way he says it is just like stuck in my head. I can't refer to him as anything else. But um, now that he is officially not going to be in this rotation next year, what does it look like? Is there anyone else in the portal that Tennessee could look to add? Um, what what does it look like going into fall ball here for Tennessee's rotation?
0: Yeah, I followed up on that uh, again today, actually, that if there was anyone uh, other than, uh, I'm blanking on his name now, the kid, Luke Holman at Alabama. Mm. Uh, obviously, that's been the target Tennessee's been after it a while. And you know, I was told, no, it's basically Luke Holman or Bust right now uh, in the pitcher position. We'll see You know, if they miss on him and another name pops up or someone's still out there. Maybe Tennessee will look differently. But that's kind of the one name to know at the at the pitcher spot right now. Um, and it, it's, you know, I think obviously Drew Beam is going to be a weekend starter. I would guess the Friday night guy. And then uh, there's going to be a lot of competition with what you have on the roster. Nate Snead, the Wichita State transfer, uh, I think we'll be right in the thick of that. AJ Russell, I think we'll have a, a great chance to be a weekend starter. He was really good in every opportunity he was given this year. He's got big time transfer stuff. Y'all know, or at least Chase knows. I don't know if Ethan knows, but I'm a huge Wyatt Evans guy, a left-hander mm-hmm. who was, Mm-hmm. Uh, Going to be a sophomore this year would have been their by far their most used uh, left-handed guy out of the bullpen. I think one of their best bullpen guys. If he was healthy, he had the red shirt with injuries. Uh, I think he'll be in that competition. He might Aaron be Combs. next year's Andrew Lindsey. He could be. He could be Aaron Combs. I think will be I- involved in that. And then, you know, it's it's always hard for freshmen to come in and start. But you know, one of the big wins for Tennessee in the draft was that Matthew Dallas, six-five lefty. Uh, From out in West Tennessee, it was a big, big concern that he would sign. He is not signing. Uh, He told MLB teams that I think, you know, sometime early in day two when he hadn't been drafted that he was going to go to school. And I think that's a huge win for Tennessee. I think he will have a rollout of Tennessee's bullpen next year. Again, hard to think that he'll be a freshman, but I, you know, I probably wouldn't have said the same thing about Chase Burns two years ago. I definitely would have said the same thing about Drew Beam two years ago, and he went on to be a really good weekend starter for Tennessee. So we'll see a lot of bodies there and a lot of competition. And Drew Beam's really the only guy locked into a spot. And then, uh, like I, like I just kind of went through the list. Probably five or six guys that'll be in the hunt to to earn those two two other st- starts starting spots as they get ready to start fall practice,
2: unless Holman winds up in the boat. What yeah, would you say? Is Holman. it over 50% Holman doesn't wind up here? Or what do you think? Is Drew Ream going to be enough?
0: Over 50% that he doesn't end up at Tennessee? That was a really <laughs> weird thing. <pitch. laughs> yeah. I would put it under 50% that he ends up at Tennessee. Okay. But I would say there is, there is as good of a chance of him going to Tennessee as there is of him going to any other school. Is how mm. I would put it. But he's going to go on visits. So you know that one, again, feels like it's got You kind of got your preliminary favorites, the guys at the top right now, but I think there's a lot of room for – or a lot of time for his opinion uh, on his options to change and to form before he makes his final decision.
2: There you go. Um, Ryan, Ethan, thank you as always. Ethan, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Saturday Down South this week?
3: Yeah, full swing, uh, full swing talking season. Uh, we don't really have anything big on the horizon. SEC Media Days obviously is upcoming. I guess that's pretty big. But Big Ten Media Days is kind of going to be in the same boat around there. I'm not. I wouldn't. Assu- I'm. I'm. I'm not even going to go there. But we'll have coverage SEC and Big Ten Media Days, and then the rest of it just recruits, recruits, recruits. Um, you know, stuff like that. Top threes, top fives, all that fun stuff. We'll have full coverage of that. And then daily com- columns that are uh, four sites.
2: There you go, Ryan. What about you over there at Rocky Top Insider this week?
3: I was inspired by uh, our
0: conversation a few weeks ago when we talked about the freshman most likely to make an impact for Tennessee. So I today wrote a piece just with the five, ranking it five to one uh, to me the most likely guy freshman to have an impact this year. Threw some honorable mentions in there too, so I think I got nine names uh, on that list as a, as a whole. So uh, got that obviously plenty of baseball stuff kind of debriefing the draft uh some some ut basketball stuff obviously chris Tennessee tennessee's gonna have a couple media and practice availabilities for us before they take off for italy at the start of august so we'll have stuff from that and uh, again uh, next week SEC media days i will not be in nashville actually i'm in nashville right now but i won't be in nashville next week but rick butler and uh, jack foster friends of the program will will be holding it down for rti and we'll have uh, plenty of content from that as well
2: there you go Ryan, Ethan, thank you as always, and I'll talk to y'all next week.
1: Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast, hell yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?